Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Daniel McAdams, our co-host. Daniel, good to see you. Good morning, Dr. Paul. How are you today? Doing well. Good. Doing well. Excellent. Up and at it. We're doing better than poor Russell Brand today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've heard about him, but I didn't know anything about him. I, I don't keep up with some of the, some yeah. of the important news. Yeah. But it becomes important when I find out that because they have a beef or they don't like him, that the government's getting involved and yeah. telling him what he's allowed to say. I wonder if they learned any of that from Americans. It yeah. certainly couldn't have been anything we've ever have done to yeah. limit speech and social media and this sort of thing. But, uh, and even too, uh, you know, we've been interested in people who aren't American citizens like Assange, uh, but we get involved by overstepping our bounds. Now, Russell Brand was not an American citizen, but yeah. he's British, and, uh, but it's his principle. It's contagious. It's like a virus. Yeah, it is. When, when people get away with it, sometimes they let the corporations do the dirty work and say, oh, this is private property. You know, they, they pulled that on, in, uh, on lockdown. The corporations are doing this all on their own, which we knew was uh, was different. So this is uh, going after one individual, and they have a beef with him, and uh, the U.S. Parliament got involved. UK, yeah, yeah. An important person, I guess. U.K. Parliament sends letters to social media platforms demanding demonetization of Russell Brand. Does that mean take away his income, try yeah. to hurt him? Yeah. Well. That should be illegal, yeah. <laughs> you know. That, that's that's terrible. And uh, but to me, the big principle is controlling property, controlling people, and uh, personal liberty is abused. And and this uh, this this is a form of enslavement because it's a technical thing. But uh, whether it's the military draft or. Yeah, the IRS or whatever, and in this case, it's the government coming in and saying, we can control your income, you control a person's income, you are very, very destructive, not only to a person's liberty, you're very destructive to the economic well-being of potentially everybody. Yeah. Well, it started with um, these allegations. Now, let's go ahead and start. This is the Guardian's piece on how it, how it, start let's do how it started. YouTube suspends Russell Brand's revenues from his channel. That's how it started. And what's it all about? Well, Russell Brand um, is, a, is a pretty astute social commentator. He's very funny, but very smart, and he has a massive, massive following. Go to the next one, and here's how it started. YouTube has suspended Russell Brand's ability to earn money on the platform after allegations of rape and sexual assault in a massive hit to his finances YouTube said it suspended his channel from their partner program after allegations against him. Uh, and go to the next one. And we can say, the 48-year-old comedian and actor has been accused of rape, assault, and emotional abuse between 2006 and 2013 when he was at the height of his fame working for the BBC, Channel 4, and starring in Hollywood films. He denies the allegations, saying his relationships were all consensual. The Metropolitan Police said on Monday they had received an allegation of sexual assault in Soho, London, in 2003. The force added that as yet no investigation has been launched. And I highlighted that, Dr. Paul, because it's important. The police, not only has he not been convicted, no longer has he, no, not only has he not been charged, they have not even investigated an allegation from 2003 about him 
yet YouTube started out by canceling everything. And I read another article looking into how much he makes off his YouTube, a million dollars a year. So they basically snatched a million dollars off of accusations. You could say, okay, well, YouTube is private. They don't want someone with bad behavior off screen on their platform. That is one thing. But as you started the show pointing out, Dr. Paul, that's not really what's going on. What's going on is the UK government pressuring, and we have the details later, pressuring these companies. You need to demonetize this guy. You need to demonetize this guy. You know, th there's a big mixture going on, and it's been going on especially since COVID, and that is the mixture of uh, corporations and government. And this is another example of this. So the people who are anxious to silence uh, uh, a brand are, are the people who, who fall more in the category of uh, corporatism and fascism. Yeah. But they're the ones, they're the same group that if they don't like you, uh, all of a sudden uh, they charge you with the crimes they're doing. Yeah, you know, that, yeah. that's been going on for so long. And that is what is really disgusting. But uh, this uh, has, to, has to be a very serious thing, and especially since it does, uh, it does move along. And one thing that I thought might be a positive, <laughs> I've been looking, uh, the, uh, the fact that a lot of people have been, uh, uh, you know, very concerned about what's happening. And uh, hopefully they're going to get the right information rather than saying, oh, okay, the government says this is the case. We, we have to quit supporting this guy. Uh, but hopefully the people are reacting a little quicker than they did, say, after all the abuse. Because uh, using COVID and the safety of everybody and taking shots and masks and all that stuff, it had a more of an emotional appeal. Maybe there's a little bit less here. Maybe there's more knowledge here. And hopefully there will be a resistance. But there is no easy waving the wand now. Are they going to back off and, and say, yeah, we made a mistake. We, should, we shouldn't have sent those letters out and we're sorry. Yeah, yeah. I don't know that we're going to see that, but let's um, let's go to now where where, where 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 YouTube and canceling him on YouTube, taking a million bucks out of his pocket a year. That's not we don't make that much, do we, on YouTube? Not quite. No. <laughs> no, we're working on it. take a few zeros. We're working on it. <laughs> but anyway, here's the Post Millennial, and here's the article that they put out. As you said earlier, Dr. Paul, UK Parliament sends letters to social media platforms demanding demonetization of Russell Brand. So this is no longer, you can't even, there's not even a cover of it being a private company saying, hey, we don't like this guy. He looks like he's got some bad behavior 10, 15, 20 years ago. That's a whole other issue. But let's look at a couple of these letters, Dr. Paul, because it is as creepy as you might imagine. I mean, people in the UK, I don't know how they stand this. I really don't. And this is sent by the, uh, the, uh, Committee Chairman of the Culture, Media, and Sport Committee of the House of Commons. And here she is writing to Facebook saying, I'm writing concerning the serious allegations regarding Russell Brand in the context of his having 5.9 million followers on Facebook. And she goes on, we would be grateful if you could confirm whether Mr. Brand monetizes his content. And if so, we would like to know whether Facebook intends to join YouTube in suspending Mr. Brand's ability to earn money on the platform. So she's actually going, this is the chairman of the committee, scroll down a little bit, what's her name again? It's um, Caroline, no go the other way if you can. Yeah, here she is, Caroline Diniage. Uh, she's the chairman of the Culture, Media, and Sport Committee. So she's writing YouTube saying, hey, uh, she's writing to Facebook saying, hey, 
YouTube canceled him. Are you guys going to do it or not? And go to the next one. Here she is writing to, uh, to Twitter um, saying, hey, Twitter, are you going to cancel him? We'd be grateful if you could confirm whether Mr. Brand monetizes his content on Twitter or X. And what, so you'd rather know if you intend to join YouTube. Given Elon Musk's response to Mr. Brand's tweet regarding the allegations where he wrote, of course, they don't like competition. We are also keen to understand whether Musk has personally intervened in any decisions. So on and on it goes. This woman is, is going crazy. I'll go to the next one really quick. I'm sorry, Dr. Paul, to, I don't want to drag this out. But here she is, go, who is this now? If you scroll down a little. Now here she is writing to TikTok. Hey, is, Mr. is Russell Brand on TikTok? You gotta cancel him on TikTok. Are you gonna be like YouTube and be good? Or are you gonna defy us, the UK Parliament, and not take away his money? And on and on and on and on she went. Yeah, and they want to grab the moral high ground. Yeah. You know, they're, they're holier than thou. And, uh, you know, uh, and, and we don't know exactly what his personal life is all about. But it, it is the point as if they're angels and they're pointing out that he did such and such. And therefore, that is one of the reasons. So it's, it's sort of a personal moral thing that they're grabbing at. And uh, also, you know, the sexual thing like that, it's a, some illegal things that they're claiming, claiming yeah. so they're 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 doing this they're they're not uh there's nothing very objective to it you already pointed out did, did they give them a chance to uh, you know have a have a trial yeah. or a question they answered so you know it's it's a sentiment that's going on and and I, I always wish we could help reverse this trend and uh as bad as it is uh, if it could be stopped where we are now and somehow another back away, it might not ever get as bad as uh, the nonsense going on with COVID. But even the COVID people, they're trying to restore up all their yeah. mess again. And so so it's, it's, uh, it's sort of incestuous on what they do and, uh, uh, and they never want to give up because they have a sense that we're right and you're wrong and we're going to prove it and we're going to punish you because we're the boss and uh, we, we are the uh, supporters and the guardians of truth yeah. and you guys are you know look at look at how how, how they have no, no respect for you know their, their sense of morality so we have to punish him and so it's a collective punishment that they're going to do but uh, what it, what it might lead to that there's you know over over the years you know whether it's communism started in the 19th century and uh, 20th century how it spread and became you, you know something that was practically universal but it finally failed for economic reasons but still the idea of authoritarianism that's why I like the broader term of authoritarianism because it includes all of that it, it, it includes a system that is opposite to voluntarism and people taking care of themselves now it's interesting that you mentioned COVID because one of the things about Russell Brand if you watch his program and I have a couple times I don't watch it regularly I just don't have time but he is consistently challenging Big Pharma. He's challenging the shot. He's, he's saying a lot of very critical things. He's very, very critical of the lockdowns and the shutdowns. He's also very critical of the military industrial complex. He's very critical of the warfare state. So all of these things are touched on. So I, I suspect that this whole sexual thing is a pretext because what they want him to do is shut up about all this stuff, shut up about Big Pharma, shut up about COVID lockdowns. Because like you said, they want to do it again so they dig back 20 years into the past and find out that he's suspected of being rude or, or worse. He may have done it, which is horrible if he did. There's no question it's possible. 
But going back 20 years, what they really want is to shut him up about this stuff. You know, they want a new approach to politics, and they're seeking a way to represent a broad spectrum. Well, maybe Brandt could get together with RFK. Yeah, <laughs> they may have, I think. I think he's been on his show, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but that, w- that would be it. The one thing that would, well, I don't know what Brand's position is on free markets. He might be a free market person. He's changed <laughs> a lot, yeah. I mean, I don't know everything about him, but he's changed a lot uh, over the past couple yeah. of years. So. Yeah. So he's a very interesting guy. But we cannot leave this without a good news ending because everyone's trying to cancel him. Put on the next one. So this lady is going haywire. This lady is a kook, <laughs> this chairman of the parliament, right? She's a kook. She's writing to everyone. Well, she went down the list and she wrote a little letter to Rumble, to Chris Pavlovsky, the CEO of Rumble. And she said the same thing. I'm writing about serious allegations regarding Russell Brand, blah, 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 blah. We'd be grateful if you could confirm whether Mr. Brand is able to monetize his content, including his videos uh, relating to the serious accusations against him. We'd like to know whether Rumble intends to join YouTube in suspending Mr. Brand's ability to earn money. And that's what they wrote to Chris Pavlovsky of Rumble. And guess what? Rumble did something a little different. Do this next one. Oh, now we're way too big. Rumble uh, tweeted this or or posted this on uh, X. Rumble's response to the UK Parliament's letter. This is Chris Pavlovsky responding to this psycho-Stalinite in the UK Parliament. He said, Today we received an extremely disturbing letter from a committee chair in the UK Parliament. While Rumble obviously deplores sexual assault, rape, and other serious crimes, and believes that both alleged victims and, and accused are entitled to full and serious investigation, it is vital to note that recent allegations against Russell Brand have nothing to do with content on Rumble's platform. Just yesterday, YouTube announced that based solely on these media accusations, it was barring Mr. Grant, Mr. Brand from monetizing his video content. Rumble stands for very different values. We have devoted ourselves to the vital cause of defending a free internet meaning an internet where no one arbitrarily dictates which ideas can or cannot be heard or which citizens may or may not be entitled to a platform. We regard it as deeply inappropriate and dangerous that the UK Parliament would attempt to control who is allowed to speak on our platform or to earn a living from doing so. Singling out an individual and demanding his ban is even more disturbing given the absence of any connection between the allegations and his content on Rumble. We don't agree with the behavior of many Rumble creators, but we refuse to penalize them for actions that have nothing to do with our platform. He finishes out by saying, although it may be politically and socially easier for Rumble to join a cancel culture mob, doing so would be a violation of our company's values and mission. We emphatically reject the UK Parliament's demands. And right now, Dr. Paul, we are streaming on Rumble Live. And I have to say, as Glenn Greenwald uh, tweeted earlier, I don't think I've ever been as proud to be on Rumble as seeing that well, live response. That's wonderful. And this, uh, this sort of gives us um, a sense of satisfaction because uh, we didn't get a, a phone call, and Rumble was a little bit smaller when they called. So yeah. Come on to our, come on to our program. Yeah. And you told me about it. I said, maybe. And... Uh, 
did we spend a day or two or a week a or two? Time. <laughs> and we really, really, uh, you know, the words were good, but we live in an age where there's not a whole lot of credibility in law. So I think, uh, you know, the, right now it looks like we made a, a good choice yes. and we should do whatever we can to encourage that. Because that's what's going on here now. This, uh, uh, th th this uh, uh, p person writing all these letters, it's how can, how can these people be credible? And the, the challenge and the suggestion I have is when people hear this, and if it's not immediately you know the person and you believe they're exactly telling the truth, you ought to start checking the credibility of people yeah. and what are their motives. And uh, that's, that's when, uh, you know, the higher up you are and the more control they have on the, on the, on the media and the propaganda, which is, you know, 90% of what politics is all about. Uh, so credibility, and of course that is related to something like telling the truth, and uh, that makes all the difference in the world. So let's just hope that the emphasis and rumble type of uh, resistance will continue to build, and uh, who knows what it'll be like in a month from now. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I hope we can help reverse that ridiculous stuff. Yeah, I think Rishi Sunak needs to call this uh, chairman, chairwoman and say, cool it, Karen. I invite uh, her on the program. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's move on because we have a couple more things to cover today and we've eaten up a lot of time, but we're both passionate about this, this whole thing. Um, but this is something interesting that came out yesterday. If we can go on to the next one. Uh, and this shouldn't shock anyone who watches this show. The FBI had so many paid informants in the January 6th riot, they lost track and had to perform an audit, says an ex-official. A former assistant FBI director has told lawmakers that the agency had so many paid informants in the Capitol on January, at the Capitol on January 6th that it lost track and had to perform an audit. I mean, that's, the story's coming out. Well, the thought that came to my mind when I read this is, is this going to help expose who who's telling the lies? You know, yeah. it, it's so much of the lying just exists all over the place, all degrees of it. And uh, I guess I'm I'm even surprised that they got that many people. We still don't know how many, yeah. how many yeah. people were in there. And the whole the whole thing is, is they get away. What you know, I always say, if they're guilty of something, they blame their their competitors for doing it. And this this is closer to the insurrection. It's yeah. the government officials. Government, that yeah, you're it. right. That's their insurrection. And uh, they were controlled. Uh, the FBI was involved, the whole mess. And yet they're still putting people in prison. And uh, there's still a lot of them locked up without due process of law. I'll tell you what, this is a terrible, terrible thing. And let's hope it continues to get exposed. But I would put this down for this is positive in the sense there's more exposure on exactly what's going on because you think a year or two ago uh, they would have said, oh, hold off, this might not be as bad as it looks because uh, I, I think there were some people that got in there and they shouldn't have been and, you know, take that position. No, lying through their teeth and, yeah. and, and it continues. And they they were literally taking over the government because, you, you know, the, the Department of Justice, you know, more and more people now are, are realizing the Department of Justice is... Uh, not very much involved in justice. That's, yeah. the only, that's the only thing they forgot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, every day it looks more and more like this was a deep state covert op against Trump and Trump supporters. Because a lot of them were in jail. And I wanted to put up Massey's great, great uh, interrogation of the um, Attorney General yesterday, but we just don't have enough time. But um, you can find it on uh, former Twitter, now X, 
That was a kill. You said you watched part of it too. Yeah. He was on fire. He was so good. And he got uh, Garland to say some things <laughs> under <laughs> oath. He said, I think you just perjured yourself. And Garland, he was like this. Do you see him? He was, oh, I know. He looked, was he looked nervous. nervous. Yeah, he was nervous. He was nervous. Hand was stuck in that cookie jar. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, let's move ahead just uh, to the, not the next one, but the next one, because we need to move on. Um, the, yeah, there we go. So here's from the same article. They say that the Fed Fest was so overwhelming, the Washington field office had to ask FBI headquarters to do a <laughs> poll or put out something to people saying, were there any confidential human sources involved in order to figure out the scale of the agency's spying and whatnot at the event, according to Don Tuano, who was the former assistant FDI, FBI director, whatever we said. So we started getting responses back from head, uh, FBI headquarters, which he said helped identify which field offices had confidential informants. One paid informant from Kansas City field office was at the Capitol as the crowd surged inside and allegedly was in communication with his FBI handler. While they were in the crowd, I think they were going in, according to the former Bureau Brass. So they had so many people in there, they didn't know who was who. When, when they were questioning this, the person that was supposed to go in and find out uh, about how many there were, they found out uh, the individual came back and said, they would only say there was a handful. <laughs> <laughs> like, that hand was too no, big. It was that handful. <laughs> yeah. And what were they saying, you know, because... That's what Massey was talking to uh, Garland about. You know, this Ray Epps guy, you finally indicted him. He's on tape so many times saying, let's go in, let's breach the Capitol. We got to go in, we got to go in. Pushing people and pushing people. He finally got indicted yesterday on a misdemeanor. And Massey, in a very aggressive way, inappropriately in aggressive, you are putting grandmas in prison for 20 years for taking photos there. You're putting people in prison for, forever for simply not even being there. Uh, and here, Ray Epps, who's on tape saying, let's go in, you know, only not even a slap on the wrist. You know, they, uh, the people, the government and the FBI gathers up to go in. Uh, they don't uh, call them spies and it's implied, or they get a badge. They can be identified. Most <coughs> people can see it and they know about it, but they have trouble counting them because there's so many. But, uh, but, but they're, they're not controlled because they're called informants. And I, I bet there's zero liability for yeah. them because uh, how, who, who, if, if they come in and they've caused this trouble and harm and decept deception, and you want to sue one of them, there's no way they're going to let you know who did what because they can't even count them. Yeah. You know, it, it, this is, this is a, uh, yes, J J January 6th is a perfect example of anarchy and the breakdown of law and order and insurrection, but they got the sides mixed up. Exactly. That's exactly <laughs> it. And, you know, plus these informants, they'll get them on a weapons charge or something and say, hey, we're going to throw the book at you, but we got a little deal we'll make. If you go undercover and pretend to be an insurgent, you'll get off the books. Yeah, that brings up the subject of, you know, the, the president's son is being charged, you know. Oh, he yeah. broke the crime, and we have to treat him like everybody else. But what are they charging him on? On the only issue that he was he constitutionally protected exactly. was to buy a gun. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but all the other stuff, they buried it. That's they, fine. They, that'll make the media happy, the yeah. liberal media happy. Oh, well, at least they're making a point. He shouldn't have bought that gun. Yeah. <laughs> Well, the last thing we want to do, and we probably could do a whole show on this because it is important, but it's the beginning, I think, of a dam breaking. If you can put that next one up. Um, this is from uh, Zero Hedge as well. 
Uh, it's all over those. Zero uh, NATO fractures. In a U-turn, Poland announces it will no longer arm Ukraine. Well, this is a long story, and it's too long to go into right now. But, you know, Poland was the biggest backer of Project Ukraine, uh, of this whole idea of proxy war with Russia through Ukraine. They were the biggest on pushing for weapons to go in Ukraine, and now they've had an about-face. They've turned and they've said no more weapons. Uh, Poland will no longer arm Ukraine to focus on its own defense. The Prime Minister Morawiecki announced just hours after Warsaw summoned Ukraine's ambassador related to a fresh war of words. They're having a little bit of a battle because Ukraine is dumping a bunch of grain into Poland and the rest of Central and Eastern Europe and it's depressing the prices and the local farmers are not too happy about it at all. In Poland, if you can put the next one on, is facing parliamentary elections on the, on the 15th of next month. And this is a big problem because all of a sudden <coughs> the Law and Justice Party uh, of the, ruli the ruling party is facing some serious challenges, Dr. Paul, because they have destroyed Poland's economy, they have ruined its relations with Russia and elsewhere, uh, they have completely gotten rid of their whole stock of weapons, uh, and they've plunged them into, and they're full of ref chock full of refugees, and the people are saying, we have had enough. And so I think the silver lining here is the people are speaking, as you like to say, they're waking up and they're demanding a change in policy and the government has to respond. You know, uh, mo most wars end with economic factors being very involved. A lot of wars are started for economic factors. And uh, obviously Poland thought it was in their political interest uh, and, the, and the pressure. Oh yeah, NATO, they're powerful. They're gonna protect us from the Russians and this sort of thing. They, they, they had to believe that it was going to be to their economic and political benefit. Now, the things are changing a little bit. They're economically hurt and uh, the politics of it all is getting pretty me messy and they're losing control just like the Ukrainians. The, the, I, I, I sort of assume, Ukraine doesn't exist, you know. It's it's just it's just been so uh, so used by others, and yet they don't even know it. Uh, and they have uh, people that go, well, they still come hat in hand here, and they think the Congress is going to roll over. But it looks like there's opposition being built in the Congress, and that's uh, that's great. But uh, to me, the best thing of all this coming on is people have become less supportive of NATO. NATO is not something that is good for our national security. It's very harmful, very expensive, always looking for trouble and delaying the inevitable. If the market were to get involved in correcting our problems, uh, it could happen, it could happen rather smoothly. But if you always build on more power and control and uh, more spending and more printing of money, you know, it becomes more and more difficult to correct. But the people, are, they have to wake up first and say, you know, our interests aren't being served by this. And, uh, and we're sick and tired of it and we're not going to play this game anymore. But they, 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 will, they will not be allowed to go uh, quietly. There'll be more economic sanctions. And this is another issue that, uh, you know, economics plays a, law, a large part in, in activating the people because, you know, as soon as they say, oh, well, you know, they had floods there and they had boycotts and all this. And, uh, and they think that uh, international governments are going to come in and help. Well, Maybe they're waking up and finding out they're the problem. <laughs> yeah. Well, this could not have happened at a worse time for Zelensky because he's in town 
right now, not here in Lake Jackson, that would be <laughs> funny, but he's in D.C. right now begging for money. So literally the night before he gets in D.C. with his hat in hand, Poland says, we're out of it. Project Ukraine, ca cancel our membership. We don't want to be part of it. Um, so that's going to be terrible for him because it takes a lot of the wind out of the sails. But Slovakia is next. They have elections coming up as well. And Robert Fico, who is the opposition party leader, has been very vocal in opposition to Project Ukraine. He's very skeptical about destroying his country's economy. Um, you have Hungary, who never started. They said, We're not, we do not want to be involved at all in this war. We refuse to mm -hmm. allow the shipment of weapons to our territory. So they're out. So you're basically going to have poor old Olaf Scholz from Germany in a deindustrialized country with third world conditions sitting there saying, what's happened? What's happened to us? So I think, you know, the dam is starting to break. And I think it's this, the beginning of the end of Project Ukraine. And we have to work harder than ever to follow up the, uh, the information and suggestion our founders had was, you know, you should trade and be friends with people you're <coughs> less likely to fight with them. And we did a bit of that, and I think when, when we have, it's, it's a better off for, for the whole, whole world. Uh, you know, and this whole principle of non-intervention means that uh, you al allow uh, more activity without guns. You don't yeah. march across the and, and you don't have international orders that, uh, you know, whether it's NATO or IMF or UN or World Bank, all these kind of things that uh, are going to dictate and then the politicians get in control and the international bankers get in control and all of a sudden you don't have uh, a marketplace. And this is what uh, <clears throat> what has gone on. And I tell you what, a lot of people are starting to realize, <clears throat> hopefully, that internationalism is not the way to go. Yeah. I mean, not uh, not the authoritarian type. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm going to close out. We don't put a lot of <coughs> candid shots from our luxurious headquarters in sunny downtown Lake Jackson. But let's put this next one up because I do want to talk. You're going to be mad at me. But this, this is Dr. Paul signing his book for our generous donors who are participating in our fundraiser. As I've mentioned this week thus far, we're offering these as a premium to those who support the Ron Paul Institute which is home of the Ron Paul Liberty Report and great things like the conference we just had in D.C., which was a massive success. We have to keep things going and we need your support to do it. So a tax deductible contribution to the Ron Paul Institute of $50 will get you a paperback copy of the book. A signed paper copy is yours for $100 as a gift and for a gift of $150 or more, a permanent hard copy forever book of Ron Paul's new book, uh, which I think you're going to love, uh, the great surreptitious coup, who stole Western civilization. I'll add some details at the end of the program as to how you can make your contribution and get your book. But we're busy. We're getting uh, copies signed and mailed off. So Very good. Uh, I want to thank our viewers, uh, as always, for tuning in today and being supportive. I, I want to say that uh, we, we do ask, and a lot of people have asked, uh, you know, who stole Western civilizations? What's happened to our, our republic? And this is an important question. I thought I did my best to try to answer that and to under, get people to understand exactly uh, what has happened to the momentum that Western civilization has given us over a couple centuries. So this, this to me is, is very important. But I, I do it with the thought that if we understand how, uh, you know, something happened, that the progress of the 20th, uh, 20th century 
uh, has been reversed and the, and the uh, issue of Western civilization has been stymied. Uh, we can't correct it. There, there are certain elements, I believe, that are very important. And, and one of them is uh, believing in a higher law and believing in natural law and believing that there is right and wrong. And uh, also to understand the enemy, and the enemy are people who become nihilistic when it comes to telling the truth and how governments should be limited in scope and not expanded. I don't think those ideas are complex, but I think we have to get people to understand and care about it and try to figure it out if we ever expect to reverse this trend. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today to the Liberty Report. Please come back soon.